Man, we're honored you're here with us today at Barefoot Church, and uh, we do believe that uh, God has a word to encourage you with today, and he wants to do something amazing in your life. He really wants to open the door to your future and, and really help you become all you were created to be so we can begin to express what he wants to be expressed in the world. So if you're taking notes today, I'm going to title this talk, Operation Grace. Operation Grace. Now, I don't know how many of you have been a part of a team at some point in your life. Maybe it was a a sports team, a dance team, a music team, or some other kind of team. But one of the significant things about a a team is operating with the various parts so that they can win or score or do something great. And it's all the parts doing, doing their part and doing it well so the operation can be a success. Again, I'm titling this message today, this talk, Operation Grace. Because that is what team church, that's what the people of God are to be, is grace dispensers in this earth and dispense what God has lavished upon them, the favor that God has shown them, begin to share that with other people in the earth so other people can step into the fullness of God's promises and walk out who God says that they are in life too. Now, I don't know if you've ever had an operation. I'm talking about one of those physical things where they cut you open. You know what I'm saying? Not the laparoscopic. Is that how you say that, Kim? Where they just kind of do a little incision and take your gallbladder out and you go home for the day. I'm talking about like really lay you open, okay? Yeah, I've had an operation before. I've had uh, several of them. Uh, my stomach looks like a road map because back in the day when I was young, I had all kinds of intestinal issues and all kinds of things. And so they laid me open several times and, you know, began to straighten that out. It's probably more information than you want to know today. Okay. But I can tell you something about operations. In, a, in an operation, you want everybody doing their part and doing it well. And it's not just the surgeon. Okay, the man with the knife. I'm telling you, if you get cut with a knife in an operation, you want a good anesthesiologist. And you want he or she doing their part and doing it well. You want some of that good medicine that kind of puts you under so you don't feel what's happening during the surgery. And then while you're asleep, you want good caretakers, you want good nurses, you want clean environments. You want them cleaning up the facilities, doing all the parts that they need to do in order to have a successful operation. And then you want a good nurse at your bedside. That's what my wife used to do. Actually, whenever you're waking up, she was one of those kind of nurses that would watch you say all kind of funny things that you really didn't mean. And you know, all the things they ask you to do when you have surgeries while you're waking up. You know, it's crazy. They, they want you to pass gas whenever you have, you know, stomach surgery while you're waking up. And, 
you know, but you, you need to do that. So you need somebody to encourage you to do that while you're waking up so you don't feel bad the rest of your life or whatever. So again, again, I know that's way too much information. But in order for a successful operation to happen, you need every part and every part doing their part well. It's the same thing in the military. If there is a rescue operation, it, it takes a team to work together, doing their part and doing it well. You want the radio guy to clearly communicate. If you are going in and you're going to rescue somebody, you want people that know where the enemy lines are and what's going on and you, you want the, the various parts, even they have canine animals that that sniff out bombs and stuff. And can I tell you something? You want that canine animal to do their part and do it well. It's very, very important if you're going to carry out a successful operation for every part to understand their part, live in their part, understand what their part contributes to the whole, and, and, and do it well. And when you come to church and you come to a meeting and we sing these songs, the whole purpose of this is to encourage you to step in to God's family and be on mission with God and do your part and do it well. You have a part. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, you have an assignment. Tell them you have an assignment. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Embracing, embracing your gift that God so has graciously given to you and using that gift and using it well. You know, the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 6, that in his grace, let's all say that together, in his grace, in God's grace, he has given each of you a gift to do certain things well. In his grace, so that means grace is an empowering agent from God that gives you a gift to do something and do it well. So grace is the empowering agent of God that is dispensed upon us for us to do whatever God has designed us to do and do it well. Grace literally means the unmerited favor of God. But what happens many times is people, they get this thing called mercy and grace mixed up. So they stop with mercy and they never put their faith in God's grace. So they don't operate and become everything that God has created them to be. And there's a huge difference. Mercy is basically, let me explain it this way. Mercy is not giving you what you should have gotten. Grace is giving you more than you can ever imagine. Let me say that again. Mercy is not giving you what you should have gotten. Grace is giving you more than you ever imagined that existed for you. And God is full of mercy and God is full of grace and God is 
full of love. But I think what happens is most people are stalemated at mercy and never put their faith in God's amazing grace and operate in the fullness of who he's created them to be and the various gifts that he has given to different individuals to do to do certain things well. So I want to talk about how God exposes grace to humanity, how God lavishes mercy on humanity, opens the door for us to walk in the fullness of his amazing grace. Amazing grace is not just a song. Amazing grace is the empowering agent that helps you live out exactly who God has created you to live out all the days of, of your life. So mercy is like this. It's kind of like when somebody has mercy on you, they don't give you what you should have gotten. For instance, let's use this for an example. If you are driving 85 miles an hour in a 45 mile an hour speed zone, what you should have gotten is a speeding violation And you're well aware of the speeding violation that you should have got because you're well aware that you're going 40 miles an hour over the speed limit. Now, you're hoping that the cop isn't out and is going to see you driving 40 miles an hour over the speed limit because you're late to work and you've been late for six days in a row. And you know if you're late this time that you're not going to get a paycheck and you know what, you're trying to rush it. So I know you're justifying going 40 miles an hour over, you know what, uh, over the speed limit, but, but still, the truth of the matter is you are speeding. And we all know that the reason we have speed laws is not just to kind of catch you and get money when you go through a little small town somewhere. We call them speed traps. It's really to kind of put in place uh, protection for everybody so everybody can drive safely. And so we realize that we violated the speed limit, right? And so we deserve, we deserve a speeding violation, a fine, a ticket. And I think we would all agree that that's what we deserve. I, I mean, I know you justified it. You don't think you deserve it because, because you're going to be late to work. But really, the officer, he doesn't need to hear all those excuses. I mean, you did have your tires balanced, and you are going 40 miles an hour. I didn't say three miles an hour, over the speed limit, and you've broken the law. So mercy would be, When the officer walks up and instead of giving you a speeding violation, he doesn't give you what you do deserve. He basically says, you are set free. Now, most of us would be like, thank you for your mercy, Mr. Officer. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That's what we should be because we deserved it. Great, or or mercy is not giving you what you do deserve. Now, grace would look like this. If the, if the officer didn't give you the speeding violation and says, hey, I'm going to have mercy on you. I'm not giving you the speeding violation that you so deserve today. 
However, you know what? In my wisdom, I realize that you are late to work, so I'm going to write you a $900 check. Matter of fact, I got nine $100 bills in my back pocket, and I'm just going to give you a week's worth of wages so you can survive all week long and you can function and you know what? You can really be who you are this week, and I'm going to take care of you this week, and I'm going to give you what you never imagined in order to survive and be something to be something great this week. That would be grace. How many of you like to meet a policeman like that? Come on, raise your hand. That's the difference between grace and mercy. But most people in life stop with mercy and never ever embrace the grace of God, the unmerited favor of God that God wants to deposit in their life and work in their life and through their life and they miss so much about the fullnesses of God's promises. Mercy is where life starts. Grace is what empowers you to be everything that God, your creator, has designed you to be. And so I'm inviting you today to not only trust God's mercy, and though mercy is a derivative of God's grace, it's not the fullness of God's grace. And I invite you to put your faith in God's grace so you can embrace and be everything he has created you to be. It's an amazing, amazing empowerment that God has unlavished upon the human race. So we've been looking at this thing called the Ark of the Covenant, a a, a chest over the last several weeks that was in the tabernacle that God had Moses to build or to put together as the people of Israel traveled from bondage, from slavery. As they traveled from slavery, they were rescued by the hand of God and they traveled through a wilderness for many, many years. And God says, I'm going to take you into a promised land, an abundant land, a land flowing with provision, with milk and honey. And the whole reason that God brought the the Israelites out of bondage is because he heard their cry. But he says, I don't don't want to just set you free from bondage. I, I want to set you free and I want to take you into the fullness of my promise so that the world will know that I am your God and you are my people. And then they will respond to me too. And so God's whole purpose in bringing the Israelites out of bondage was so that he could be their God and they could be his people and they could walk in the abundant life into the promises he had in store for them and them reflect who he was in their life so other people could be drawn to this same God. And it hasn't changed for us, the local church. And what we've been looking at is this thing called the Ark of the Covenant, the the chest that was behind the Holy of Holies in this tabernacle that God, that God had Moses to put up. And he says, what I'm going to do is I'm going to present myself in, in this place. And there's going to be a holy place. And there's going to be a most holy place called the Holy of the Holies. And Moses, what I want you to do is I want you to meet with me in the Holy of Holies. You're going to experience me and 
You're going to begin to understand who I am as your God. And then when you come out from behind this curtain, you're going to express me to other people. In other words, Moses, you're going to be exposed to me and you're going to come out and express me to the rest of the people so that they can begin to walk in the fullness of who I say that they are. The Bible says all through the Old Testament that there's a high priest that could only go in this place once a year to get a download from God. And what was in this place was this ark, was this chest, the ark of the covenant. And it has significant meaning in your life today. Because in Hebrews 9 verse 4, we're going to look at it here in just a second, were certain articles in this ark that God had Moses to put in there. So generations down through the ages will begin to understand who he was so they could understand who they are and begin to live out who he says they are in this earth. And there's certain articles in this chest, in this ark. The Bible says it was a chest, a wooden chest that was covered with gold. And actually blood had to be sprinkled on the top of it. It's called the mercy seat in order for in order for what God intended the ark to, to expose to the high priest, they had to sprinkle blood. And then what would happen is the high priest would experience what God wanted to expose and go out and express it. So whenever it was, whenever the blood was sprinkled, in other words, what was in the ark was basically exposed to these people so they could go out and express who God was. So it was a wooden chest covered in gold. And so think of it as, a chest, and it's ironic to me that God chooses a chest and what our English language calls our, our chest basically keeps the most vital organs that keep your body going. And so I like to say it this way. What was in God's chest behind that curtain, he wants to get in your chest so you can be everything he's created you to be and really make a difference in this world. And so he allowed them exposure to, to this ark. However, down through the ages, God's presence was removed from that area. But something significant happens at the time of Christ. And the Bible says that Jesus dies on a cross. And he sheds his blood for multiple hours. Lots of blood shed. Out of Jesus. And can I tell you, when Jesus was taking his last breath on that cross, he said something significant. He said, it is finished. What was finished? Payment for man's, for humanity's misses had, had been given. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness for your missing the mark of God's glorious standard. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness for sin. And the Bible says that when Jesus pours out his blood on that cross, it's as if God is saying the payment has, has been paid and those who believe 
and what I did here on this cross by giving the shed blood and pouring it out uh, of, of my one and only son, the perfect gift that came from heaven to earth. Mercy is lavished upon you. You don't get what you should have have. You're going to now have access to more than you ever imagined you can think of or ever grab hold to. You're going to have access to my amazing grace. But what most people miss is in that same event, the Bible says, as Jesus sheds his blood and offers mercy to humanity through the shedding of his blood, there's a curtain in that temple where they would meet with the presence of God and it's split in two from top to bottom there in Jerusalem. And when it was split in two, can I tell you what it did? The the blood of Jesus gave mercy to humanity. When that curtain was split, it began to expose much of who God is as a graceful God to humanity so we can walk in the fullness of who he says that we are. So what was in that ark? has significant impact in your life today. And we've been talking about it over the last few weeks. And today I want to talk about one particular item because grace is the unmerited favor of God for you to live out exactly who he says that you are. And the part I want to talk about today is found in Hebrews 9 and it says that the that Aaron's staff sprouted leaves was in the ark. Let me read it to you. It says there was a curtain, and behind the curtain was a second room called the most holy place. And in that room were a gold incense altar, a wooden chest called the Ark of the Covenant, which was covered with gold on all sides. And inside the ark, there were a gold jar containing manna. And here's the part we're going to talk about today. Aaron's staff, Aaron being the brother of Moses, that sprouted leaves, in the stone tablets of the covenant. Above the ark were cherubim of divine glory, whose wings stretched out over the ark's cover, the place of, of, of atonement. And so it says there's three articles that the ark contains. And it says that one of those articles was the sprouted staff of Aaron, Moses' brothers. So why would God have this staff in the holy of holies so that people down through the ages could understand his grace and what he wanted them to be exposed to. And we're going to talk about that because it has significant meaning in your life today for you to function in operation grace and be who God has created you to be. And so I want us to look at the account of where this budded rod came from and when God said for it to be put in the Ark of the Covenant. And it's found in Numbers, Numbers 17, 1 through 11. And what we're going to gather from this is that God is a divine God that gives everyone in his grace a gift to do certain things things well. And the account of this is they had been, they had left bondage. They are on a journey. They are leaving what once had them enslaved. They're traveling through a wilderness to the promises of God. And the Bible says on that journey, there was a group of people 
that basically created an alliance against Moses and Aaron, the ones that God had chose to lead them out of bondage through the wilderness and into this abundant life, the the promises of God. The Bible says that there's 250 prominent leaders in that group that began to oppose what God had chose, who had began to oppose the certain gift that God had given Moses and Aaron to do something well so that everybody could walk in the fullnesses of God's promise. The Bible says that they weren't operating in the gift that God had given them. They were basically lashing out about the gift that God had given Moses and Aaron. And what happens in that moment is God begins to give away for people to recognize that he is the one that chooses the various gifts to move people towards towards his promise. If you go study number 16, the Bible says this. It says that this man named Korah, he began to speak out against Moses and Aaron because Moses and Aaron were pushing people towards the promise, were pushing people to be everything that God had created them to be. You need to understand this promised land is the abundant life. It is the life flowing with what God had designed for them to do and be in earth. And Jesus says he came to give you abundant life and me abundant life. But what happens is these people, instead of wanting to walk in the fullness of that promise, they begin to resist God's gifts that were basically challenging them to move forward. And Moses and Aaron are like, let's don't stay here. Let's embrace everything that God has in store for us. And the people resisted it and began to speak out against it and begin to say, hey, we're comfortable where we are. Sounds a lot like church today to me. We just like attending. We just like coming. <clears throat> we like coming as long. As long as it, as it fits with what I like. It, it, as long as they sing the kind of music that kind of resonates with me. Because, you know, church is golden corral. And everybody should just decide what they like. And what they like is really how to live in the fullness of God. If that's what you think today, I just need you to know that, no, no, there's so much more that God wants you to experience. But what happens a lot of times, we don't experience what God wants us to experience because we're stuck at mercy and the church needs to get past mercy and walk in grace. And the reason some of us are not getting a download from God and walking in the fullness of his grace is because we've received forgiveness of sin. We're stuck at mercy. We're waiting to go to heaven. And God says, the curtain is ripped. You have exposure to my unmerited favor, my incredible grace. Why don't you step into my throne room of grace? Let me give you a download so you can walk in the fullness of who you are, so you can embrace the abundant life and live out all my promises here on earth as it is in heaven. Don't get stuck in mercy. Mercy's a great thing. Be thankful for mercy. 
but embrace the grace of God and walk in the fullness of who he says you are. The Bible says Korah, Korah leads this alliance. I want to show you the account. Numbers, Numbers 16, verse 3, it says, They united against Moses and Aaron and said, Hey, Moses and Aaron, you have gone too far. The whole community of Israel has been set apart by the Lord. We've all been forgiven. We all left bondage and left Egypt because we put the, the blood over our doorposts and we were rescued by, by, by this great God. So Korah begins to lash out at God's chosen vessel to lead people into the fullness of the promises. And it says, hey, the whole community of Israel was set apart by the Lord and he is with all of us. He's just with us all. He says, what right, Moses, what right, Aaron, do you have to act as though you are greater than the rest of the Lord's people? You know what I've discovered? That when you begin to operate in who God has assigned you to be and being being and, and the gift that he has given you, because the Bible says in his grace, he has given each of us a gift to do certain things well. Sometimes, sometimes people will think you're arrogant because you're operating in confidence of who God called you to be. Moses and Aaron, who do you think you are telling us that we're all saved by? We're all saved by grace and by the blood of Jesus. We're all just the same. What do you mean pushing us trying to become everything we're created to be? What do you mean, Moses and Aaron, trying to push us into the fullness of God's promises? We, we like it here. Can I tell you that's why they stayed there? And never, ever embrace the fullness of all of God's promises. Many in that generation, the Bible says, they died in the wilderness. Because they rejected what God had chosen to help move them forward to embrace the fullnesses of his promises. God has given each of us a gift to do certain things well. And can I declare to you today what your gift is all about? Your gift is to encourage other people to keep moving and embrace all of God's promises. That's what your gift is for. It's designed to not let people stay in mercy. People need to see mercy. They need to embrace mercy. They need to understand the mercy of God because all we deserve is to be separated from God for eternity. Thank you, Jesus, for mercy. But I embrace grace because I don't want to stop at mercy. I want to have the fullness of all of your promises and walk in it each and every day of my life. And so I embrace the grace of God each and every step of the way. And I understand that in his grace, he is given and you a gift and me a gift to do certain things well and because of that together we can move forward and move masses, chunks of humanity towards the promises of God. The church needs to get past mercy and embrace every promise God has in store for us. And most people have received the mercy of the blood that is shed. And can I tell you something? They are suffering and dying in the wilderness because they are not embracing God's grace. 
the fullness of God's grace. And it's so much more. It's so much more than just being forgiven and going to heaven. And so that's why, like one of the New Testament writers said things like this. His name's Paul. He says, you know, we need to quit talking so much about the elementary things of the faith. Though we need to keep going back to these foundational things. But some of y'all are stuck. And, and what I want to do is, he says, I want to feed you the things that's going to help you embrace the promises of God. But, but we got to get past the elementary teachings and begin to get, get things deep in our soul. And most of us would like to stay stuck in grace and not become everything that God has created us to be and walk in the fullness of God's promises. And can I tell you something? The Bible calls that laziness. And so if you don't sit with a group of people that challenges you to do something with your life for the kingdom, I can tell you right now, you're just going to become lazy and die in the wilderness. I'm about being with people that challenges me to become better at the gifts that God has given me. And so let me read the account. Numbers chapter 17, verses 1 through 11. I got just a few minutes. It says, the Lord said to Moses, because of this rebellion, he says, tell the people of Israel to bring the 12 wooden staffs, the dead sticks, one from each leader of Israel's ancestral tribes, and inscribe each leader's name on his staff. Inscribe Aaron's name on the staff on the stick of the tribe of Levi. For there must be one staff for the leader of each ancestral tribe. Here, Moses, what I need you to do is place the staffs in the tabernacle in front of the ark containing the tablets of the covenant where I meet with you. He says, here's what's going to happen, Moses. Buds are going to sprout on the staff belonging to the man I chose. Then I will finally put an end to the people's mummering and complaining against you, Moses. The Bible says, so Moses gave the instructions to the people of Israel and each of the 12 tribal leaders, including Aaron, brought their wooden sticks, their staffs. You know what a staff is? You see them at Christmas time when the shepherds sing. You know what I'm talking about? The thing with the curved hook. They brought it to Moses. Moses placed the staffs in the Lord's presence in the tabernacle of the covenant. And when he went into the tabernacle of the covenant the next day, all in one day, he found Aaron's staff, the one that had Aaron's name carved on the handle. He found Aaron's staff representing the tribe of Levi had sprouted, budded, blossomed, and even produced almonds. And when Moses brought all the staffs out from the Lord's presence, he showed them to the people. Each man claimed his own staff. And the Lord said to Moses, here's what I need you to do. Here it is. Place Aaron's staff permanently before the Ark of the Covenant to serve as a warning to these rebels. He says, you put this budded staff that produce fruit that I have chose this man Aaron, to move people towards the promise, you put it in the Ark of the Covenant 
so that people will begin, rebellious people will begin to understand, I'm a God of grace and I dispense gifts and I choose who I choose to move people towards the promise. In other words, the church is not. I know in our modern day vernacular, you volunteer, but it is not a volunteer organization. You have an assignment if you belong to Christ Jesus. And your assignment is to partner with other people and move people towards the promise. Now, in our Western American mindset, I know you volunteer just like you do at Goodwill and the Pound. At least that's what most people think in the church. I'm a good volunteer. And if you're thinking that, hey, I'm a good volunteer, I just want you to know today that maybe you're not walking in the fullness of who God chose you to be and moving people towards the promises. Because it's great that you volunteer, but do you understand that God, in his grace, gives you a gift, you a gift, to do certain things well. And those certain things are always to move people towards the fullnesses of God's promise. And they need to be coupled with other people's gifts. The Bible describes in Romans and in 1 Corinthians that we are a body and we belong to Christ Jesus. He is the head and we are the parts. And together we become the body of Christ dispensing his grace to humanity so other people can embrace the fullness of who God is and walk into his promises. You have a part to play. You have an assignment. And what I've discovered is most people don't think that they have an assignment. So I just want to take this passage and break it apart real quick like and begin to help you understand that God chooses your assignment. You don't choose it. Now, there's a way to find your assignment. But most people think, well, I choose. And I, I know, I understand, I mean, that, that you, you have a, a choice in the matter. But God has a certain assignment for you to do. And look what it says. Number 17, it says, Buds will sprout on the staff belonging to the man I choose. And so the first thing you need to understand is the gift that's inside of you that helps the kingdom grow is a gift that is given to you from a God of grace. It's given to you from God. You don't choose your gift. God gives you your gift. And I can tell you right now, when God gives you your gift... I mean, in our modern day society, it's cool to be what they call a church planner and a pastor. But I can tell you right now, I didn't do this because I was cool, all right, because I'm the farthest thing from being cool. And, and if I had a choice in the matter, I wouldn't be the man standing up here with the microphone. But when God says, this is your assignment, you better walk in it and walk in the fullness of your assignment. I understand it's my assignment and it's why I do what I do. But guess what? I mean, yeah, I came to Myrtle Beach, but, but it wasn't like me choosing God. I, I want to be this prophetic voice to speak to her and to speak to him and help them, you know what, move past their past and towards their future and become everything you've created them to be. It wasn't a desire like, give me a microphone. However, I found out I'm supposed to have a microphone. But the way I found it out is I got involved. See, that's the reason most of us don't know what that certain thing well that God has created us to do is. 
is we don't get involved. And God is in this business of saying, if you'll have faith in me and get involved with me, I'll distribute a gift of grace in you to help you help you move the whole forward. But most people don't get involved at a at a level to let God begin to develop develop the gift. In other words, most people don't stay planted in the house of the Lord long enough because we're in this volunteer golden corral church mentality and we don't stay planted long enough for God to be to grow something in us so something could come out of us and us could produce something great. Understand, that was a dead stick that went into that tabernacle and it sprouted leaves and it became alive. But it didn't only become alive. The Bible says it produced fruit. It produced almonds. And your life is designed to produce fruit and to produce something out of it to help God's people move towards the promises of, of God. It's what it's in you for. It's to help others move towards the promises. But most people don't stay planted long enough to discover it. And again, God develops your gift in the valleys, in the trials, in the tribulations. But most people run from the gifting. In the midst of the pain. And it's where God begins to develop you for you to drive your roots down deep in Christ Jesus. Draw from the grace of God. Begin to grow up into something strong and produce fruit out of your life. It's what it's for. But most people don't know who God has created them to be in Christ Jesus because, you know, I'm I'm a great tomato farmer. I really am. I mean, I got flipping tomatoes coming out my ears on my vines. They put some of them out front today. I've been bringing baskets of tomatoes up here for people every day. And people say, "How how do you grow such fantastic tomatoes? And I say, I don't know what kind they are. They're good ones, though. But anyway, so here's the deal. I say, I talk to them. But really, how I grow good tomatoes? Because I planted a seed. And I didn't pull the plant up and move it when it looked bad. I watered it. I fertilized it. I went outside early in the morning, pulled the weeds out from behind it. I picked the the bugs off of it. I mean, literally, I take those worms and I just smash them with my finger so they don't eat my plant and destroy my fruit and do all that. So I work, I work it. I planted it, I work it, I I let it develop, and it produces a great harvest. It's the same thing in your life. Plant yourself in the house of the Lord. You will flourish. Let him develop the gift so your gift produces fruit. Come on. The gift comes from God. The gift comes from God. The second thing I wrote down is this. Your assignment is significant. It's what got the people in trouble. They thought that Aaron and Moses' gift was more significant than their gift. Look what it says. Number 16, verses 8 and 9. Moses spoke out to Corey. He says, now listen. You Levites, Korah, you Levites, does it seem insignificant to you that God, the God of Israel, has chosen you from among all the community of Israel to be near him so you can serve the Lord's tabernacle and stand before the people to minister to them? 
In other words, God had chosen Korah and these other Levites to be in his tabernacle, chosen vessels to be close to him so that they could expose who God was to other people. They had a, they had a gift, but they were too busy worrying about Aaron and Moses' gift instead of operating in their gift. And you know what? They became jealous and missed their purpose. The Bible says they died in the wilderness. No gift in God's family, in God's kingdom is insignificant. He chooses the gift. He gives the gift. And once you get the gift, you're to work the gift, develop the gift, and understand that all the other gifts around you are just as significant as your gift. There's not one more that's significant than the other. It takes all the parts to move, to move people towards the promises of God, abundant living. And where I experience abundance and you experience abundance and other people experience abundance is when we all work together and move towards embracing the promises of God. But what happens a lot of times is we fuss about a gift that we don't have. Are you kidding me? Use your gift and use it well. And then honor other people's gift. Can I tell you right now, the administration gift is, is incredible. And some of you have the gift of, of administration and you come and work in our office and then people don't write legibly. And so you give up on your gift. You don't let your gift develop. And what you do is, is you're like, well, people can't write, so I'm just not going to use my gift. Are you kidding me? I don't use my gift because people don't do certain things, you know, or whatever else. I use my gift because God gave me the gift, and I figure if I use it long enough, you know what, if it's administration, then I can train people to write correctly so I can get back in touch with them and move forward. But don't quit because somebody didn't write their phone number down right. And that's how simple we've made life. Your gift is not for you. Your gift is a gift that moves you and everybody else towards the promises, but it's to give and contribute to the body of Christ so that we can begin to move a community of people towards the fullness of God. And you can't give up using your gift because other people don't respond in the way you desire for them to respond. You got to keep on keeping on. Keep on pressing. Keep, you, do you know if I would have given up using my gift on people's response, I would have left a long time ago. Because even though I got a gift to challenge people, there's a lot of people that don't like to be challenged and mobilized. And when I say get off your duff and do some stuff, some people go sit on their duff somewhere else because I ain't going to have you just resting on mercy. I'm going to have you to embrace grace and become everything God has created you to be. And there'll be a time when you get tired of my gift challenging the gift inside of you and you will walk away if you're not in it for kingdom purposes because we will not stop short of challenging people to embrace all the promises of God. Again, most people don't become great players because they don't like a great coach. 
to push them beyond what they're currently doing. And the way talent is developed is to have somebody between your makeup and your face, between your grill and your engine saying, come on, brother, come on, ma'am. You got more in you than you see. Stop sitting, waiting, and watching. Use your gift. Get up, serve, do something. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Oh, I know it's not the most popular gift. That's why I didn't choose it. Because I didn't choose it for popularity. God chose it. Because he knew I would submit to his authority. And begin to be empowered to do what he's designed to do. And God knew that you and I need to be pushed in becoming everything he's created us to be. Because most of us will sit and watch instead of getting involved. The last thing I wrote down is this, is your gift doesn't only have, a, have significance and every gift uh, perfect or, 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 or every gift have, have a purpose. I wrote it this way. Your, your, know your assignment. It, it is purposeful. See, Aaron's staff was purposeful. Look what it says, verse 8. It says, Aaron's staff representing the tribe of Levi has sprouted, budded, blossomed, and produced ripe, ripe almonds. In other words, it's producing fruit. I'm telling you right now, your gift is to produce fruit. What does fruit look like? Yes, fruit looks like you producing the character of God out of your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's called the fruit of the Spirit. But it also looks like mobilizing people towards the promises. It's not about you just being set apart. It's about you being set apart for a purpose. It's not just about you being set apart and being holy. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. It's about you being set apart for a purpose. God says, I set you apart. I saved you and called you with a holy calling. And it's not just for you to, to shine who I am and express it out of, out of your life. It's for you to take the gifts I've placed inside of you and couple them with other people's gifts and the church express who I am in the world. But most people are about the relationship. Thank you, Jesus, for mercy. Thank you, Jesus, for mercy. Thank you, Jesus, for not giving me what I deserve. I'm waiting to go to heaven one day, and I'm miserable while I'm here on earth. Thank you. It's because you're not embracing grace. The grace of God dispenses gifts in you. And it's not for you just to wait to go to heaven and die in the wilderness. It's to do something great. It's to produce fruit. It's to help his kingdom grow. Number 1710 says this, that God said this to Moses. I need you to place Aaron's staff permanently before the Ark of the Covenant. And here's why. To serve as a warning to rebels. In other words, I want you to take this budded, Rod, that I chose Aaron, gave him the assignment. I want you to put it in the, in, in the ark because I need people to know that I give gifts to turn rebellious people into great followers that can embrace the promise. And this needs to stand as a warning to rebels. And they, this should put an end to their complaints against me and prevent 
any further deaths. Understand this is a physical illustration of a spiritual thing that's going on in this room today. Your gift is given to you so that nobody else has to experience spiritual death. So nobody else has to die in bondage, in slavery, and in sin. Because our gift from God after we receive his amazing mercy is to be a part of a part of what he's executing in the earth for other people to come out of bondage and receive the forgiveness of sin because there is no forgiveness without the shedding of blood but then begin to walk in the power and the fullness of the resurrection and most people stop with just the forgiveness of sin and they're not walking in the fullness of Jesus's resurrection you need to understand the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead my friend the Bible says lives in you empowering you to become great empowering you to be a vessel empowering you with a gift and a talent to do something well with your life and when you use it and you're faithful with that gift you're going to hear one day well done my good and faithful servant come in and receive all I have in store for you the rewarder of your faith God rewards faith and it is by grace through faith that we are saved. What is your faith in? Is it in the finished work of Christ? In the open throne room of God for Him to deposit things in your life? For you to look for a country and a city that you have not yet seen and bring other people with you? Bible says that's what Abraham did he was awarded because of his faith in a great God that God was going to do what he said he was going to do because he's always done what he says he's, he's, already, he's already done what he always says he would do so Abraham believed God without seeing Bible says blessed are those who see or who believe and don't see Do you believe God deposits a gift of grace in you? God, thank you so much today for your word. Thank you for the Ark of the Covenant where you had articles represent what you desire for us to experience. God, no man, no woman, no boy, or no girl has been been able to identify where that Ark is as of today. But God, you have given revelation in your word, Revelation 11. And you say that John got a glimpse of this ark in the heavenlies. And God, I do believe what's in the heavenlies is to be deposited in our heart today. So God, I pray that you would deposit what is in the heavenlies in the hearts of humanity today. In men, women, boys, and girls alike. Thank you for sending Jesus from heaven to earth to die for our sin. To pay the price. To pay the penalty for sin. But God, I pray today, by the power of the resurrection, would you help people walk in the fullness of of who you say that they are. God, I thank you for grace. I thank you that you didn't only extend mercy, you extended amazing grace. How sweet the sound. 
that saved a wretch like me, but God who also empowers me to become everything you've created me to be. God, your your desire is for everybody in here today to be receptors of your amazing grace. And God, this isn't just an age-old message. This is the empowering thing that you have lavished upon humanity to, to open the gate to the promises that you have in store for them. God, I pray we would use our gift. We would operate in our gift. And God, we would embrace who you are from the death on the cross to the fullness of the resurrection. Jesus, we're looking forward to your return. And until you do come, may we be great encouragers of one another to walk in the faith as we look forward to the day of your return and the day that you're going to come back. Come, Lord Jesus, come. The Spirit and the church and the bride say, come. Would you come? Would you come? Come into the hearts of humanity. God, come into the hearts of your people. Jesus, we look forward to the day when you're going to set up your kingdom and all evil will be squished out. We love you, Jesus. May we walk in the fullness of who you say we can be. Pray in your name today. Amen.